Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start here tonight. Galatians 5. I'm going to look at one verse, and that would be verse 6. Paul's writing to the church, churches of Galatia and to us as well. So he's writing to believers. He said, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision avails or benefits anything, nor uncircumcision benefits anything. And how many know under the Old Testament, circumcision was something God told them to do? But he said here in the New Testament, circumcision doesn't avail anything, uncircumcision doesn't avail anything, but what does benefit us? What does yield great results? But faith, which works by love. So, let's just let's analyze this verse just a little bit here. It's interesting because we've got people today saying, the most important thing you need to do, the biggest thing that needs to happen, the, the way you're going to get the biggest results is if you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you do this. You know, pointing to maybe scriptures under the law. But you know, Paul said that's not what's going to get you anywhere. But then you got people saying, no, no, no. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you do this or do that. Paul said, even that doesn't avail anything. Works or no works? What avails, guys? Why do you think our church is called Faith Heights Church? Because it's half of what avails much. And the other half is love. I put it like this. It's not works and it's not not works that avails anything. Right. And we've got people fighting over this today. Works, 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 works. If you want to see this and this and this and this. And then we've got other people saying, it's not works, it's not works, it's not works, it's not works. It's neither. Right. I don't think we should get on board what really works. It's not circumcision that avails anything. It's not uncircumcision that avails anything. It's what? It's faith which works by love. So I want to talk to you about something tonight that I think will revolutionize our faith and make it easier to receive healing and miracles from the Lord. Alright? I believe the Lord has quickened us tonight to pray for the sick, to pray for anybody, lay hands on anybody that needs a miracle. But if you get this in you first, it's going to be a lot easier to receive in just a few minutes from now. So let the Lord, let the Lord do in your heart what he wants to do, so when it's time for ministry, it's way easier for you to receive. We don't have to work on God's end. We don't have to work on trying to get God to be a better giver or to want to do something for us that He wants for us more than we want. What we need to work on is our ability to receive. And this will help you to receive from the Lord what He's been trying to get into your life for a long time. Alright, so we're going to entitle this tonight, Love makes faith easy. Love makes believing God for something easy. A lot of our struggles in this area are that we just don't want certain things with a strong enough pure motive. And this will really help, guys. So in Galatians 5, 6, we see right here that faith works by love. So sometimes we got to talk about love 
if we want our faith to work better or even at all. I know sometimes we got to talk about love. Let's talk about love. (laughs) Amen. So there's two big words in the New Testament. If you look in 1 John, you don't have to do it, but in 1 John chapter 3, John says the summation of the New Testament requirement for believers is this. You ready? This is his commandment. Now you hear that singular, but he mentions two things. Just like a coin has two sides, but it's the same coin. The two big words in the New Testament are, quote, this is his commandment that we believe. Everybody say believe. Believe. Faith. We believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and, other side of the coin, love one another as he gave us commandment. That pretty much sums it up. Right? Well, these are the two big words in the New Testament. We see it in Galatians 5, 6. We know it's true. So if you would, please, turn to James chapter 4 just for a minute. James 4. Love is what makes faith work really good. And if you need to receive anything from the Lord, it's going to come to you by faith. the way the Lord designed the system. It doesn't come by works. It doesn't come by some other means. It comes by, it doesn't come by good work. It comes by faith. Um, Many people are wondering why their faith is not working properly. I believe tonight will furnish you with some answers to that question. If in fact it applies to you. That's between you and the Lord. You know where you're at. He knows where you're at. But I really believe we got to go a step further than having faith. We also got to be something. We have something, but we also got to be something. People of certain demeanor, character. So, James 4.3, before, let's go ahead and read it. This deals with prayer. James says, you ask, now notice, notice the words here. You ask, this is prayer. James says, hey, believer, you ask and God just chooses not to give it to you? No, there's not a problem with the giving end. There is some tweaks that need to be done on the receiving end. It didn't say you ask and God doesn't want you to have. He wants you to have. He says, you ask and you receive not. See, that's your receiver there. We're not, your receiver's got to be in good shape. You ask and receive not. Why, James? Because you ask amiss. That means with wrong motives. He says, here's the wrong motive. He says, you're asking that you may consume this answer from the Lord on your own lusts. Well, that's the opposite of love. Love seeketh not its own. Love's not in this thing for itself. And so this scripture tells us that you can ask for a legitimate thing from the Lord and not receive it if your motives aren't right. Well, there's no greater motive for receiving answer to prayer than love. Faith says you can do anything. Faith says you can do this, you can do that. 
Love comes on the scene and says, you have to. Faith says you can. Love says, now you have to. There's some, there's some lives at stake here. There's some benefit for other people at stake here. There's glory to God at stake here. And when, when love comes on the scene, faith goes into high gear because now some things have to happen because love won't put up with some things that's hurting people, that's binding people. Love must see results. Faith can. Love has to. You put a faith that can do anything connected with a love that has to see some things happen, you've got miracles. Hmm? There must be love at the heart of any faith project for powerful change to happen. Love must be at the heart. When I say faith project, something you're praying for, something you're believing for, something you're confessing the word toward. Love, there must be love at the heart of every faith project for powerful change to take place. Reasons have to be pure, right? And how much more pure and right can you get than love? Um, let, me put, let me say this as well. This, is, this would be of our love toward the Lord here. But let me, let me read a couple things here to you that I believe the Lord wanted me to read as I wrote them down earlier. You cannot believe for something effectively that will pull you away from your love for God. You really can't believe for something effectively if that thing coming into your life is actually going to pull you away. In other words, maybe you're going to love that thing more than the one who gave it to you. I mean, though, that happens a lot. Do you know you can love something God gives you more than Him and He'll regret that He gave it to you? Right. See, we, we can't it's kind of like Isaac and Abraham. You know, Abraham loved Isaac, and God gave Abraham Isaac the promised child, right? But then there came a time the Lord said, I want you to give him up now. Well, Abraham, father of our faith, it's like he didn't even flinch. Took him up on the mountain, got the wood. Isaac says, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham knew it was him. He said, God will provide. That's a great faith confession. The Lord will provide. And I mean, Abraham is totally ready to sacrifice his son on the altar with a knife, fully persuaded that God was going to raise him from the dead if he went through with it. If you read the book of Hebrews, it talks about how Abraham received him in a figure, risen from the dead, if he had to go through with it. So Abraham's about ready to sacrifice his only son, the promise that God gave him. And an angel spoke up and said, Abraham, Abraham, do your son no harm. You know, sometimes God just wants you willing to do something for Him as opposed to actually doing it. You have to be willing to do anything for the Lord if He can really use you at all in any area. He needs you completely sold out to Him in some areas. And part of it is for our sake too because it's dangerous to try to do some of these great things for the Lord and not be totally sold out to God. I mean, I heard of a minister... Sad. I mean, Lester Summerall talked about a minister in the great Welsh revival, I think it was, that his name was Stephen Jeffries, I believe. And he had a vision one day of a, a bleeding lamb appeared on the wall. And it changed this young man's life. 
And he, he went into the healing ministry and had tremendous results. I mean, miracles and healings, just tremendous revival. He, he'd seen this bleeding lamb. The Lord gave him this vision. And he realized by the blood of the lamb, people can be healed. By the blood of the lamb, people can get miracles. This is a serious issue. I mean, by the blood of the lamb, you can rise up from death's door. So he's having all these miracles in his ministry, primarily in the area of people who were paralyzed. Sometimes gifts of healings manifest stronger in one area than another in certain individuals' lives. And he had a great anointing in the area of palsy and par paralyzing conditions. He got great results in that area. Well, one day he, he looked up and said, because I mean, people are coming from everywhere. Hierarchies, I mean, dignitaries getting healed. One day, listen, listen, how the mighty are fallen. You ready? One day he looked up and he said, the world is at my feet. Wow. And he died of a paralytic condition after some time. The praise of men crippled his physique, is what I say in one of these songs. I wrote a song, How the Mighty Are Fallen. And I talk about Saul, and I talk about... In the song, I talk about um, Jonathan and how they died, how the mighty have fallen, and, and Solomon. And, and then I added Stephen Jeffries in there. And um, it's just so, so, so sad because you've you got to watch out, man. When that kind of power is turned up in your life, you have to be, you, you, you can't want something that later could destroy you yeah. if your character is not solid in God and right where you should be in the Lord. You know, Kenneth Hagin, he has teaching when, when you go to Rhema, and even sometimes in, in the correspondence, I think he hits on this, but there's a lot of great men of God that were used mightily in uh, 50 to 100 years ago who had gotten off course. But I mean a legitimate prophet, legitimate ministry, and, and, and they'd gotten off in some areas. And, you know, when, when, you, when you ask for greater power and greater ministry, make sure you have the great commitment that goes with it. Amen. And not that the Lord will release it all. Sometimes He will because people get in faith and God honors His word. But man, you got to make sure that your, your, the power in your life never exceeds your sold outness to the Lord. And sometimes people want to step into ministry today and it's a true call of God, but God's saying, wait 10 years. Moses knew he was called. To deliver the children of Israel. Right? So much so, he kills an Egyptian that was, that was beating on a Hebrew slave. Well, he gets, he takes off for 40 years. Right. Now he's 80. I'm going to say 40 years. 40. What's he doing in that 40-year time? Part of it, I'm sure, was getting his heart right. So when he did go back to Egypt and talk to Pharaoh and all the signs and wonders happened, he was going to stay on track, and he did. I mean, he made some mistakes, but he basically stayed on track. So. so let me just say this. You can't believe for something effectively that will pull you away from your love for God. And also, according to James 4.3, you can't really have faith for something to happen to you that will feed selfishness. So back to this. Faith works by love. Just check your motive. It wouldn't do us one bit of harm to check our motives every time we pray and make sure that love is the number one reason we're praying for such and such. 
Because sometimes if you dig around your motives, you'll see, hmm. If, you, if you're honest with yourself, you go, you know what? I didn't want that for exactly the reasons I should have wanted it. And the Lord start pointing things out if you let him, and it'll be good for you. Um, turn with me to Luke chapter 7. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. Everybody say this with me as you're turning to 1 John 4. Faith is what you have. Love is what you are. Will you say that again? Faith is what you have. Love is what you are. Let, let's say it in first person now. Faith is what I have. Love is what I am. Faith is what I have. Love is what I am. What you am is really important if you want your faith to work properly. What am you? What am you? <laughs> say it again. Faith is what I have. Love is what I am. That's who I is. Faith is what I have. Love is what I is. You got that? With all the poor grammar and all, you got that? Now, let me make this statement. You ready? We can't just be any kind of person and our faith work great. We can't just be any kind of person and what we have work great. Now here's the good news about it. God gave us faith and He shed about His love in our heart. Right? So what we need to do is we need to not try to work up to these things. We need to wake up to these things. What He's given us. Let me say this again. We can't just be any kind of person we want to be and our faith that we have work great. I think this is a huge deal. And a lot, I'm telling you guys, miracles sometimes have to happen in this area before they can happen quicker in the outward area. How many know miracles can happen inside your heart? A lot of times they happen in services and nobody even sees or hears a thing, but I mean some of the greatest miracles in healing and miracle nights and Sunday mornings is what nobody even sees with these eyes. But in the light of eternity, it was even bigger than somebody being healed physically adjustments in their heart that put them on a higher road with God or adjustments in their motives that, that cause them to you know, go to another level of pleasing the Lord or missing things in the future that they wouldn't have missed if they hadn't made that adjustment. A lot of things that happen in church are invisible and they're powerful. Not that we, we're not saying there's not physical miracles. This is a healing and miracle night. But sometimes things have to happen in the invisible world before they can happen in the physical world. At least in a quicker way or a higher degree. I'm not saying you have to be perfect to receive a miracle, but I am saying this. If we'll make sure we're people of love on the inside, you know, yield to the love of God, develop in the love He's given us, it'll do wonders for your faith life. So let me say it again. We can't just be any kind of person in our faith work great. Instead of trying so hard to have great faith, listen closely. Instead of trying so hard to have great faith, how about just be the kind of person that already has it? Yeah. 
Come on, there's certain kind of people that already have great faith. It's interesting to me, we're going to look at it here in just a minute, but it's interesting to me that one of the men, one of the only men, one of the only, I think two people he said this to, one of the only men he said had great faith in his whole ministry on earth was a man who had no books on faith. Not saying anything against books on faith. Get them. We need them in this hour because of all the junk that's crept into the 2,000 years since, since Jesus' day. But this man didn't have a Bible. This man didn't have faith books. This man never heard Kenneth Hagin, right? This man didn't ever heard Paul. This man never heard Jesus that we know of. And Jesus said he had greater faith than all the people in Israel. And it's so interesting because if you, if you read the scripture slowly, and we're going to do it here, you'll find out one of the reasons he had great faith is because of the kind of person he was molded into. He was a Roman centurion. He was a good guy. He had love in his heart for the Israelites, the people of God. His own worker was dear to him. And I thought, and I'm going to tell you something the Lord told me about that passage we're going to read in just a second. That blew me away and it totally revolutionized my life. But let me say it again. Instead of trying so hard to have great faith, why don't we work on being the kind of person that already has it? What kind of person, what kind of person doesn't have such a struggle believing God for things? We need to talk about that. Having faith is awesome, but we also got to at times talk about what kind of people are we in our daily walk? Hmm? You know, one of the biggest things about love is how you deal with little situations throughout the day with people. Those little things are not little, my friend. They're eternal. They'll last forever. All right, so let me say this. Who, I want you to think about all the people, you know, we, we know a lot of people in this area. Who is the most successful person you know in the area of faith that gets results? Name some people. Who, who do you think is the most successful people, person in this area of getting results in faith? Huh? Keith Moore. He's got some mighty results. Abraham. Kenneth Hagan. Kenneth Copeland. Me. Thank you. Mark Hankins. All right. Let me just say this. All right. To me, the most successful person in this area of getting results with faith is God. I wonder if. God is love has anything to do with his amazing faith. You think? I wonder if God is love has anything to do with him being able to say light be and all of a sudden light comes basically out of nowhere on the scene 186,000 miles a second hasn't stopped yet after 6,000 years. That's called great faith. I wonder if that kind of faith has anything to do with God is love. Look at 1 John 4, 16. 
Come on, do you think what he had had anything to do with who he is? Do you think that what God has has anything to do with who he is? Yes. Man, I do. When your motives are right, your faith comes to attention and says, what do you need done? Look at this. John said, we have known and believed the love that God has to us. You ready for this? God is love. Now, God has a lot of powerful things, right? God has power. God has wisdom, right? But God is love. I like to put it this way. God is nothing so much as He is love. I mean, there's coming a day prophecies are going to fail, tongues are not going to be necessary anymore, knowledge is going to vanish away. But what's going to last forever? What's going to be around 10 billion years from now? Love. Love lasts. <laughs> Some of these other things have, price, have uh, expiration dates on them. I'm thankful for prophecy. I'm thankful for tongues. It's still in effect. But there's coming a day... That's not going to be here anymore. You know what it is? Love. Right. Isn't that awesome? How many are glad you serve a God who is love? Aren't you glad it didn't say, God is judgment. Right. And he that dwells in judgment dwells in God. <laughs> How many are glad it didn't say, God is angry. How many are glad it didn't say, God is strong. This is his nature. It said, God is love. I like that. And we haven't even scratched the surface on what that means. There's, a t there's been a couple times in my life where I entered into a degree of the love of God where I almost couldn't take it. I almost fell down. Just fell over. It's only been a, a few times in my life, but I entered into part of His love and I could barely handle it. I almost had to say, Lord, turn it down. Love for a certain person. There wasn't too long ago. Love for a certain person hit me so strong that I thought I was, I didn't know if I was going to be able to breathe. I started praying and, and trying to release the love through me and, and it worked. And uh, There's something about the love of God that just, it's, it fixes everything. Um, so look at this. God is love. And he that lives in love, because see, you can visit, you know, pull it out when, you know, an unlovely person's in front of you and say, oh, where's that love? Oh, there it is. Okay, I'm going to, how many think it's better to live this life of love? How about get to the place to where we're not even conscious of it, it's just happening. Instead of trying, trusting more in what's already in us. So he that lives in love lives in God and God in him. Now how many of you guys know this? Where there's love, that's where God is. Now I want to just say something about our church here because we're believing God for increase. We're believing for a lot of people to come to the Lord in these last days and we believe Faith Heights Church is a great place for them to come. You know, if we really want people to sense God in our services, we all need to be listening to this tonight and asking ourselves, all right, how can I go up in this area? Because if, if love is here, He's here, right? He that lives in love lives in God and God in Him. Where love is, God is. 
How many of you want guests that come to our church to come to this church and sense and see and hear God? Well, it's not going to happen just because of an anointed sermon. Amazing praise and worship. It's going to happen because every one of us are doing 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 in an almost unconscious way. It's just who we is. Hmm? And as we look at some of these things, we need to open up and say, God, weld this in my heart. Weld this on my mind. I may break in some other place, but I'm not breaking here ever again. Make this so a part of me that I'm doing good to people and I'm not even thinking about being noticed. It's just who I am, let alone a reward or a thank you. It's just who we are. All right, let's go to another scripture. Go to Luke chapter 7. Everybody say, God is love. Now, I'm going to say this. Galatians 5 says that love is the first fruit of the Spirit that shows up in a believer's life. And he calls love a fruit. It's not a gift like righteousness. You know, you can't grow in righteousness. We're the righteousness of God in Christ upon our born-again experience. Well, how much more can you grow in righteousness if you're the righteousness of God? You're not going to be any more righteous a million years from now than you are right now because you can't get any more righteous than the righteousness of God in Him. But love is a fruit. Fruit is supposed to develop and grow. One of the greatest goals we can have in our life on a year-by-year basis is next year... I'm going to be a lot more developed in love than I was last year. Right? If I was this much patient last year, I'm this much more patient this year. You know, I I used to be calm until this happened. But now I'm calm until this happens. That's development. That's good. One of the greatest goals you can set is development in love and faith goals. The greatest goals you can set. So here's what I want to say. We need to grow so much in love that we just can't take it anymore that people are sick. Mm. How many know when you just can't take it anymore, you and your faith is going to start doing some more about it? What if we loved people so much that we just couldn't take it anymore that they're sick. We're going to do everything in our power. We're going to have our faith at an all-time high. We're going to minister to them powerfully. We're going to be led by the Spirit, and we're going to get results. You can grow so much in love that you just can't take it anymore, that people are hurting. And you're going to be led by the Spirit like you've never been led by the Spirit, and you're going to minister like He tells you to, and you're going to believe God, and all your faith is going to be at an all-time high, and we're going to see results. You know, the more we understand love, the more easy it's going to be able to be led by the Spirit because God's not given us the spirit of fear, but He's given us the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Nothing can stop love from getting results. Mm. Nothing can stop love from getting results. 
God is love. And if he's your reason and motive for doing what you're doing, who can stop God? Luke 7. Look at this here. This is really interesting. Luke 7, verse 9. Then we'll go back to verse 2. But look at Luke 7, verse 9. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, the centurion, turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you people, pointing to the centurion, centurion, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Jesus is looking for faith. He said, I've been looking for it all over Israel who should have it. These are the people of God. These are the Israelites. He said, I haven't found nothing like this Roman centurion's faith. I'm sure Israel is probably going, Lord, that's, that's a blow, blow, man. You saying the Israelites don't even have as great a faith as a Roman centurion? Part of these men that are trying to oppress Israel? You know, all, all the Romans weren't bad, you know. Some of them were catching on to the teachings of Jesus. And, but this is interesting. I want you to see the Lord marveled. How many, how many think if the Lord Jesus marvels at something, that must be pretty interesting. I mean, he, in the beginning, created planets. What can marvel the Lord? Great faith. In a world he knows... Is not normal and natural. Somebody is going against the grain. Somebody has touched some things in the spirit. Somebody is operating in faith that heaven likes. And it marveled the Lord. Now, let's see something. You ready? How many interested in, in his great faith? Anybody interested in his great faith? Hmm? All right, so here's what the Lord told me. You ready? He told me this. He said, son, don't, if, if you want to, if you want this great faith, here's what the Lord said. Don't just look at what this man had. Look at the kind of man he was. Right. Don't just look at what he had. I'm not even sure if we were back then and we had a microphone and we interviewed this centurion and say, 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 so tell us about this great faith that you have. I'm not even sure he would say, oh, okay, let me tell I think he'd probably go, what are you talking about? You know, really, truly great people do not know they're great. It's almost like an unconscious move. It's almost like, well, who wouldn't take the Lord at His word? Duh. Why, why, why do you need... 49,000 hours of teaching on faith. Why don't you just take the Lord at His word? He didn't lie. Am I saying we don't need teachings on faith? That's stupid. Of course, Jesus taught on faith a lot. Paul taught on it. We've got to hear teachings on faith. But, we can't just take the principles of faith and try to use them. We've got to be the kind of people that ignite that faith. You can have dynamite whoop-de-doo if you ever never have a match. You know what I mean? The old-fashioned kind? Dynamite without a match is dead. Dynamite works by a match. A flame, right? So, don't, son, don't just look at what this man had because I was looking at faith only. He said, look at who he was and you will see how faith works by love. So you want to see a couple things? 
Back up to verse 2 now. You see that the Lord said he had great faith. Let's find out what kind of man he was. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto this centurion. So right there, we see, what do we see right there? We got a centurion. He's got a servant. And this servant was not just some employee. Come on, you're not cleaning that floor. What are you doing? This servant was not just a worker for this man. This man saw this person as an immortal soul. Amen. He was not just interested in his work. He was interested in him. Yeah. Right? I, I pray that we all develop in this. I know as a leader in the church too. I, I want people... I want people who work for this church to look back and go, what I became working in that church is worth more to me than every paycheck I ever got. And I'm working on it to see that that can happen more and more. You've got to ask yourself as you're working, not just what am I getting. You need to ask yourself, what am I becoming here? Not just what am I getting, what am I becoming? Because what you become, you know the greatest things in life are not things. The greatest thing in life is love. When it comes to God and other people and our relationships with other people, the greatest thing is love. People all over this planet are continuing, half of the world is still continuing to try to find happiness in possessions, in things. And getting another person to be with them or do something for them. And they're totally going south when they should be going north. Jesus said the only way happiness comes, you know, divine happiness, is through helping other people and serving and being a blessing. That's the only way lasting, true, powerful happiness will come is in giving. But half the world thinks it's in getting and then they get and they're still depressed they get and they're still on medication they get and they're still not happy Jesus said if you do these things that I'm telling you and if you read the context of that he said if you do these things happy are you not if you receive all these things your flesh wants he said if you do these things you will be happy and we're not talking about Hollywood he he happy we're talking about divine happiness from the Lord that goes beyond this world. The world can't give it and the world cannot take it away. Mm. So, the centurion servant was dear to him. What does that tell us about this guy? Come on, I, I talked with Carla about this and Carla goes, well, he's just a good guy. I go, that's right, he's just a good guy. He's not just interested in what this person can do for the business and how he can work hard. And he, He's like, hey, you're dear to me. What's that tell us about this guy? And what, is that, what does this tell us about great faith? Hmm? Great faith does not work in an environment of selfishness. Or meanness. Or unkindness. Or haughtiness. Right? Great faith doesn't work in those environments. You've got to make sure the environment around your faith is conducive with love. Hmm. You know, our, our kids, and I, 
I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but you know, Rachel and Dominic, they're down in Texas for this week, and they'll be back Sunday or Monday or something like that. Sunday night, I think, or something. And they got to visit Joel Osteen's church. And one of the things that I see in Joel Osteen's life is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I believe it's a number one reason, ingredient, why he is so successful. Now I know he lives in a city of how many millions? Does anybody know how many? Four million, maybe? Four million people in Houston. So the ratio, you know, if we look at our church and his church, he's still bigger than us ratio-wise, but we're not four million people. And I don't know how many, they got 28,000 members or something. They bought the compact center in downtown Houston, you know, and remodeled it. It's a church now. I have two, three services every Sunday. But one thing that I can tell about Joel Osteen from teachings and, and also from talking with people who actually have been with him physically in his presence, Jeremy Pearsons was telling me over coffee one day in, in Branson when we were at Keith Moore's meetings, Jeremy Pearson said, you know, we got to go to Joel Osteen's house and we got to... You know, there's a bunch of pastors there. He said, one thing I'm going to tell you about Joel Osteen. They are the nicest and kindest. He's talking about Joel, his staff, his helpers. He said they are the nicest and they are the kindest people that he has ever met in his life. And he's Kenneth Copeland's grandson. He said they are nice personified. Kind kind people. And I thought, what's, what's the very top of the list of what love is? Love is patient and kind. Well, that's what God is. How many glad God's kindness is at the top of the list toward us and long-suffering? Right? And I thought, what is that? And the Lord said, that, that virtue, that Spectrum of love, kindness, is a huge, huge word. If this church would just turn up the kindness knob a few notches, I'm telling you, we will grow. Are you saying, Pastor, we're not kind? I'm not saying that. I believe we're kind. We get, lo- we get so many good reports on greeters in our church. The people that walk in, the first people they meet are the greeters. We've probably gotten more Good reports from visitors and guests about our greeters than anything else. Right. At least that's what I've heard mm-hmm. personally. But how many know we can all turn up the notch of kindness? Right. Yeah. Huh? You know it's kind to look people in the eye when they're talking to you? Right. You know, even if it's not somebody you want to talk to right now because they're over there and you're kind of going, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's just not kind. <laughs> how many know it's kind to remember people's names when they come back the second time you call them by their first name that's kind and love is that you know if you're really interested in growing in love God's going to show you more and more what it is Amen. and what it ain't how many of you can be kind and bold at the same time yeah. so Let's read on here. Go on. The centurion's servant who was dear at him was sick and ready to die. So we see right there, the centurion's got a good heart. Next verse. And when the centurion heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, sent to Jesus the elders of the Jews, beseeching Jesus that he would come and heal his servant. Now notice this. And when his delegation, the centurion in this uh, gospel 
account, stayed at home and sent delegates to Jesus. And when these guys from the centurion came to Jesus, they besought him instantly saying, Jesus, our employer, he's worthy for whom you should do this. Now, now think, this is not the centurion telling, telling these guys what to say. He just said, go get Jesus, my, servants, my servant who's dear to me is dying. I, I need help. These guys are going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, this guy, I'm telling you, Jesus, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. And good is not necessarily talking about never done anything that was wrong or never did anything, you know, lustful or, you know, let me just wedge this in. Matthew chapter 25. You know, it's very interesting to me. Matthew chapter 25, Jesus talks about people entering into heaven and people entering into everlasting punishment. And it's real interesting, those that entered into everlasting punishment, there was nothing said about sins they committed. It was about sins they omitted. It, those people were not sent off into everlasting punishment for bad things they did. It was for good things they weren't doing. This is where love comes in. So, we know this guy wasn't perfect. He was a Roman soldier. But there is something about his heart toward people connected with faith in Jesus that got his servant healed. Notice, these people, what kind of reputation does he have? They said, Jesus, this man is worthy for whom you should do this. Now, look, look, they explain. Next verse. For this centurion, verse 5, for what? Now, the, the centurion is not saying this about himself. No. This is a reputation. Right. Really, character is not about what you do in secret. Character is about what other people say about you, right? This is interesting. He loves our nation. And what? He didn't just say, I love you, Israelites. I love you. He did something. And I'll bet, I'll bet this man was not saying, you know what? I'm going to do this act of love and build them a synagogue. When you're truly walking in love and living in love, you're not doing things with thoughts like that on your mind. It's natural. In other words, when you're living in love, you're not trying to love. Right. Somebody has to tell you, wow, that was an act of love. What are you talking about? Oh, well, I guess it was. You know what I mean? He loves our nation. He built us a synagogue. Next verse. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying, Lord, don't trouble yourself. Very respectful. Very respectful. I wonder if that has anything to do with the great faith. He said, Lord, trouble not yourself. I'm not worthy you should come under my roof. But he did love people. I don't know what he was referring to here. I'm not worthy that you should come under my... But he did love people. He may not have been perfect in all the A, A through Z technical things in his life, but he loved people. I'm not worthy you should come under my roof, but speak the word... Next verse. 
Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto you. Oh, respectful. But say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. Jesus, I know I'm not technically perfect. I'm not worthy you should come under my roof. But I, I have a servant who's hurting. And putting all this other stuff aside, I need help. And you can help me. And I'm going to be bold about it, Lord, not because I'm perfect, but because I love. I love my centurion, I, uh, my servant. I love him. And I believe, Lord, you're the one that can get him, you can get him healed. You speak the word. How, how can he have such boldness and at the same time say, I'm not worthy? Huh. There's heart issues going on here. And I'm sure there's also some natural issues going on. But the heart issues is what he was most interested right. in. He says, saying a word and my servant shall be healed. Next verse. For I'm a man also set under authority. I have soldiers under me. I say, go to one, one go and he goes to another. Come and he comes to my servant. Do this and he does it. He recognized the Lord's word had power when it came to sickness and demons. Like his word had power when it came to getting things done in the Roman army. Right. And next verse. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, turned about and said to the people that followed, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And you'll read the next few verses that his centurion, was, his centurion was healed. And the Lord said, as you have believed, so be it done unto you. I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. So we know he had great faith. Let's talk about that. Let's examine that. Let's dig into that. But how about we also at times think about what kind of people just have great faith? What, what kind of people, instead of trying to get something... Let's just be the kind of person that that comes with the package, with that kind of person. Being a man like this, faith comes with the package. I believe it goes back to the first scripture. Faith works by love. This man had great faith because he had great love. You know, love has to see some things happen for people to be helped. And if you've got faith that can do it, and now you have love that has to do it, what's left but a miracle, right? So in closing, before we give you a chance to come forward, I believe some things are happening in the heart. Let me just read you a couple things. Turn to 1 Corinthians 13. And I want you to look at verse 8. 1 Corinthians 13, 8. He's summing up what, you know, what love is. He, what does he say? Now, charity is the word agape love. He says, love never fails. So anything you do in love and anything you do for love can't fail. Love will enhance your ability to receive healing and also to minister healing to other people. Faith says, I can get you healed. Love says, I have to get you healed. Faith says, I can get you healed. Love says, I must get you healed. Many times it says in the New Testament that Jesus was moved with compassion on them and he healed their sick. I thought, interesting. Jesus was moved with compassion and healed their sick. Jesus was moved with compassion and healed their sick. Compassion moves you into a place of successful ministry, which includes great faith. Let me read this to you before we read that 
Did I give you a final scripture? Okay, let me read this to you here. There's something about a heart full of love that turns faith into a necessary business instead of something that we just use to get what we need. I'm going to say it again. There's something about a heart full of love that turns faith into a necessary business as opposed to just something we use to get out of a jam or get something we need. Faith becomes a necessary business when love is filling your heart. It's no longer, well, I'm going to release faith because I want this. I'm going to release faith because it would be cool to have that. Faith becomes a necessary business when your heart is full, full of love instead of just something you use to get something you need. Walking in love is more of an... Unco- now listen to this. Walking in love is more of an unconscious lifestyle of good toward others than constant remembrance as a principles to practice. Is that touching your heart? Is that getting a little deeper there? Let me say it again. Walking in love is more of an unconscious lifestyle of good toward others than a constant remembrance of principles to practice. Love naturally would have others get the best. Okay, I, I wanted to share a couple of these things just before we close. We're going to dissect some of this as the Lord leads. But let me just tell you, according to 1 Corinthians 13, go, go to verse 4. Helen, we'll close with this. 1 Corinthians 14, it says, Love suffers long and is kind. First, first thing at the top of the list of what su- love is, is it suffers. See how people are messed up in their definitions of love in the world? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not vaunt itself. One translation says love's not going on a parade saying, look at all the good I've done. Love is not puffed up. Keep going. Love does not behave itself unseemly. See, these are like the little things in everyday life. Mm-hmm. This is love. This is, this is what's going to last forever. The little things you have opportunities to do in your daily life is what's going to last forever. Past faith. I mean, uh, past... Uh, well, actually, G, uh, Paul said, faith, hope, and love. Greatest of these, love. Yeah. Faith, hope, and love remain forever, but the greatest of these is love. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Love seeks not her own. Love is not easily provoked. Love thinks no evil. One translation says, love believes the best of every person. Refuses to think evil of other people. Doesn't keep record of wrongs. Keep going. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. So let me say a couple words about some of those characteristics and we'll close. Love naturally. Everybody say naturally. Love naturally would have others get the best. As opposed to themselves. Love seeketh not her own. Everybody say naturally. Naturally. This is something I want us to start practicing immediately. Love would naturally want somebody to get on the stage before themselves, even if they were just as talented. Love would naturally want somebody in their church to get that position that's so awesome before themselves. Everybody say naturally. naturally. Now we're not maybe there yet, but we can get there as quickly as we're serious about getting there. Because we've seen things in our church. We, we've seen people. I, I've actually, we've actually seen people 
And I'll take the blame for not teaching on love enough, okay? But I've actually seen people who have left the church because we asked them to step off of the stage from singing and be a leader in another department. And we put somebody else in the place on the stage. Now what would love do? Love would go, glory to God, let him get up there. Put me behind this. I don't care. Let him get up there. I mean, if you got two, if you got, if you got one position in a church, you got two people that would be perfect for that position. What would love do? Love would say, "You take it." Right. right? And if they're both walking love, they go, "No, you take it." Right. Then one would have to take it so the other could exercise that love, and then now they're both walking in love. And that's heaven on earth. Yeah. What if this happened in marriages? Come on, if you're cooking on the stove, you got two pieces of bacon on the frying pan, one looks really good, one looks pretty good, what would you do? You'd give the really good one to your spouse. Now this needs to be natural, not even thinking about it, not even trying, it's just who we is. Right? If you're going to the restaurant and you're hungry as can be, I think I'm hungry right now, too, so we're going to have to go to the restaurant. And it's crowded, and there's people going for the door the same time you are. And you know if you just pick up the pace a little bit, you'll get there first. What, what would love do? What would love do? Love would say, go, man, go. And the coolest thing about it is love wouldn't even be thinking they're doing something special. Love wouldn't even be thinking, wow, I did a good deed. Love just loves. It's like this. You've you got to step into a totally different world than you've been living in. It's like stepping into a different realm. It's like being on AM and going to FM. Totally different band. Whole different scene. Whole different animal. Stepping out of these things, as we de- identify, we're not love. Into the realm of love, it, it change your life. It's going to change your life. Love doesn't even think about. Everybody say, doesn't even think about. Love doesn't even think about being noticed or praised for good deeds done. Right. Right. See, you can help people by loving them and not even understand their language. Do you know that? Is it David Livingstone? Missionary to Africa? Candace? David Livingstone? African missionary? Livingston. Is it David? Uh, is it David? Thank you. Well, from what I heard, he didn't speak the people's language. He was a doctor, but man, they felt his love. And I heard that, he, at least since the time of the book I'm reading, when that name is mentioned in the darkness, a light comes on the scene because they remember the man who brought love to their country and he didn't even speak their language. Can you change a whole country and not even know their language? Oh, can I put it this way? Can you change a whole country without words? Yes. Let us not love in tongue or in word, the Bible says, let's love in deed and in truth. Right. 
See, it's, it's this. Our character is our message, not our words. And we're talking about the love, character of love. Our main message to people is who we are, not what we say. If you love, if you live in love, you must succeed. That's good for now, guys. Um, one more thing. Just take a breath. Go. One more thing. I wanted to share this because it's got to be practical and it's got to be something we could practice immediately. By a multitude of small things and ordinary virtues, this supreme thing in life is made up of love. We're not looking at some big explosion. We're not looking at some amazing lightning bolt. We're talking about ordinary things that you can do every day that will determine if you're going to have great faith when it's needed, if you're going to have things out in eternity that are going to be remembered forever. And I'm going to read you some things next week if, if the Lord leads us this direction. But um, Mark Hankins, a couple days ago when we were with him in Boise, he gave me a book. He had told me about this book a while back, and I think we're going to get it for a book of the month when Rachel gets back. But it's called The Greatest Thing in the World, Experiencing the Enduring Power of Love by Henry Drummond, forward by D.L. Moody. Very, very small book, over 13 million copies sold. Um, but it's one of those books that came into being because somebody asked him to share a scripture and expound on it one day. And Dwight L. Moody was so blown away that he kind of grabbed the guy up under his wings and said, this has got to get out to the world. And this book, it's really interesting because I, I, I started reading like the first 10, 20 pages of this book, kind of like, you know, okay, Mark gave me this, Pastor Mark gave me this book. I'm going to read these pages. Get zero out of it. No, just zero. Just, okay, that's a nice book. I'll read it when I got some time. It's a short book. Holy Ghost checked me and said, it's written in code. He said, you're not going to understand what he says in this book unless you slow down and really want to know more about love. So I determined I'm going to read the cover. I'm going to read over 13 million copies sold. The greatest. And I'm reading it out loud. I'm reading the book out loud. And I read it already. I read the author. I read the back of it out loud, everything. And then I read the table of contents and I read the foreword. I'm reading, I'm reading it slow. I'm reading it. And you talk about revelations. Changed my life. And I'm going to go back and read it again and again and again because I got some stuff from this book and I've got books on love and, I, and they're all great but I didn't get anything out of it because I was just kind of doing it out of respect to Mark, Pastor Mark. And yeah, I want to learn a few things, but the Lord says, slow down and I will feed you as you read this book. And he expounds on scriptures. And it's just, of course, it's, it's a biblical book. So stand up, please, church.